Welcome back, everybody. Blue Collar Whitetail Podcast, officially powered by Rackaholic Outdoors, the true whitetail scents and cover scents made from an Indiana deer farm, 100% made by deer, from the deer to the bottle. I recommend the whitetail bedding scent. I hunted wrong winds purposefully and uh, did not get busted once. So, also a shout out to AAA Shooting Supply in Layato, Indiana for your gun ammo and archery needs. And tonight, I have on no other than Thor. And Thor is from Georgia. And uh, I appreciate you being on tonight. Go ahead and uh, go ahead and say hi and maybe tell us a little, little bit about yourself. And All right, what's going on, man? What's going on, everybody? Uh, yeah, my name's Thor. Are you still there or did I lose you? Oh, shit. Hold on. All right. Oh, now I got you. I, you got you, me back here? Yeah, I lost you at my name's Thor. <laughs> uh, all right. Yeah, my name's Thor. Uh, I was saying uh, a lot of people ask me about my real name. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's pretty badass. Yeah. Um, so, I'm, uh, like Jake stated, I'm from Georgia. I'm down here in the south. Um... A little about myself, I am a diesel technician, uh, so uh, living that blue-collar life. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's kind of what fuels all my outdoor stuff, you know, hunting, fishing, uh, and everything in between, so. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm glad we could get you on, and uh, like I said, you sounded like a, a great fit for the show, and uh, Thor and I, we, we've kind of talked back and forth for a while on on the snapchat group we're in and uh i was like let's let's send one so here we are um i was hoping tonight we could get uh since since you are the farthest south person we've had on the podcast so far um i was hoping you could go over your deer season i know you had success and uh you know if if you wanna let's just start off with the bucks you got all right well uh so I got, uh, I kind of lucked up this year. I got, uh, I did kill my biggest buck to date this past deer season. Nice. Um, which was, dude, it's still sick. I mean, I, it gets me jacked up just thinking about it. Um, he's currently at the taxidermist. Uh, oh, yeah. And I also managed to kill my first public land buck. So, um, it was pretty dope. Um, it, it was, a, I mean, realistically, it was a great season. I had, um, a lot of good encounters. Uh, I had some heartbreaks too, uh, as everybody does when you know deer season comes around. I went through some heartbreaks. Um, oh yeah. Oh, sorry. What? Definitely felt the heartbreaks this year. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. I had um, I had a shooter buck that I had an encounter with the season prior. Uh, I shot at this deer and missed him during rifle season. Um, I missed him at a relatively close range which hurt pretty bad I uh, started picking it back up on camera uh, towards the end of December and I was like well he's still alive you know I did everything nice. to look for him because I thought I hit him shot my rifle the next day come and find out it was off um, damn yeah so I did the necessary things to get the rifle right and come back this past season and he started showing up uh, at night, right before bow season, and I was freaking out because this deer was, to me, it was a giant. And I mean, 
um, pictures that do the deer justice. Uh, right. Unfortunately, unfortunately, I'm in a hunting club, and being in a hunting club, there are other members, and uh, so come around the first week of gun season, one of the other members got a chance to harvest him, and they did, and uh, it was a beautiful buck. I mean, he was a stud. Um, he had like the longest G2s I've ever seen on just the regular deer. <laughs> Dang. Yeah, he was, uh, I, I don't know, he, I don't even think the guy put a tape on him, but man, if I had to guess, I know that deer would push definitely low 130s. I think he would definitely go 130. Nice. High 120s for sure. Hell yeah. And to me, that's a big old deer. I mean, right? I, I don't know many guys that would just let a 130s walk by him a whole lot. <laughs> hey, like, like, uh, like we say here, we're, uh, well, at least me, I'm, I'm very, well, I wouldn't say very picky, but I'm. I have standards until about the second weekend of rifle, and then that goes out the window. <laughs> because yeah, at the end of the day, that's that's, sure. uh, that's what we eat. So. But yeah, he got harvested, but I didn't. Uh, the hunter on my club that harvested him uh, did a European mount and allowed me to put my hands on him a couple weeks later, and uh, so I got some closure with that deer. <laughs> nice. I didn't have a ton of history with the deer, honestly, because he just kind of popped up. Um, mid-season the prior year and i just got camera pictured after camera pictured i mean i was doing everything to pattern this deer okay and uh i slipped up and he walked in front of me during it was last 20 minutes of shooting light during rifle the prior season and that's the that's when i missed him and dude i can't tell you i was rattling in my boots i mean <laughs> oh no i i don't doubt that Dude got me jacked up. He come in there and looked like a darn donkey. I mean, he had a big body on him. Uh, <laughs> when you know, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, the guy said he went 200 pounds. Uh, now, I think that was, I don't, I believe that was uh, just live weight, I think. Okay. But that's still. For, still. For, I mean, we have big deer down here. Uh, everybody knows it, especially if they watch the uh, Seek One guys and all that kind of stuff that started hunting suburban Atlanta with bows, you know, during archery. Damn. We get giants. Uh, it's just you got to play your cards right. Right. But for my area, particularly, especially with a hunting club and pressure, and we have a we we are technically a trophy club or not trophy club. But we have standards. You know, you have to. They want to shoot certain sizes to try and keep you know bigger deer around. Right. Right. Uh, you know, just good herd management, obviously. Uh, which I've always not been very good at. <laughs> uh, when I was, you know, just a couple of years ago, I was shooting just anything that got me jacked up, which I think is how you're supposed to do it anyways. No shit. That's where I'm at. When you know, you know. I mean, you wouldn't yeah. have pulled that trigger if you, you know, if it didn't make you excited. So, I, I feel you 100%. Um, while we're on the topic of hunt clubs, so, uh, I, everyone around here like we we don't really hear about that kind of stuff so how does a hunt cub work like uh is it something you have to pay into i guess give us your experience of a hunt club because i can almost bet you 90 percent of the people that uh, around here don't know what that is right so um we call it a hunting club you also hear some guys call it a deer lease you know which is pretty, now a lot of guys around there, everybody's got deer leases, not everybody, but a lot of people get their own deer lease. But generally with a deer lease, it's you and a couple of buddies probably go in on a big piece or a decent piece, you know, stuff like that. Okay. Um, 
as far as our club goes, we have clubs down here. A, a lot of Southern Georgia uh, is big about the hunting clubs too. And what it is, they you have somebody who's, uh, for example, this our club's been in that area for I think over twenty years. Damn. Um, the club president, you you have an, uh, generally an elected president or the guy who founded the property and started it. Uh, you'll have somebody who wants to start a club and you'll get an X amount of members and pay the uh, lease fees or the... Uh, Dues. Like we, we lease from a timber company and a private family. Okay. It's a combined acreage of almost 800 acres. Holy smoke. And yeah, it sounds like a lot of property, but here comes the, here comes the kick. Uh, it's 20 members... So when you divide when you that about it, it's like eh, it's not as much property once you break it up like that. Uh, yeah, especially you know, I mean, the north might be better than the southern part of it, or you know, right. I mean, there's hot spots clearly. So yeah, yeah, we definitely have them. I've hunted this club going on five years now. I want to say five. Um, I've gotten some good buddies to join the club. Uh, one of my good buddies, Kyle, joined it with his dad, and they hunt it. Uh, we've been close friends for a while. He's also the guy that, he's my bow technician. He builds my bow strings. Oh, yeah. Uh, so it works out, and we've always hunted together. It's been a really good thing for me and him. He uh, makes some of the best friends hunting, you know? Right. But, uh, yeah, so you get X amount of members, and whatever seems fitting to you know keep the leases at, or keep the uh, membership so you have your membership yearly that you pay and it's for you know deer like we do for deer, deer and turkey and you can hunt small game if you'd like okay uh, but nobody really like we could run rabbit dogs and stuff like that down there if we wanted to we've got some some thick underbrush and stuff like that but nobody really does uh, small game some guys don't even turkey hunt that are in the club uh, I never really get that either how someone just like does not turkey hunt like I don't <laughs> I feel like to pass the time and and <laughs> you can kill something for Christ's sake <laughs> yeah it's not, you know and everybody everybody gives me crap about it because I'm I just never got into like big into turkey hunting yeah I I, I, I just because I was always chasing bass in the spring oh well you see there's that end of the sword too I mean I yeah. I get that, 100%. Them toms get distracted, but man, them bass are on bed. You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah. it's like, ah, one here, one there, you know? And you can do both, obviously. Hunt the turkeys in the morning, fish in the evening, whatever. Right. Uh, but it was just never a big thing for us uh, growing up. I do it, I go once or twice a year, honestly, see if I can get on a gobbler or something. Dang. Just for the experience, but. Uh, yeah, I need, I need to get you up here for ice fishing. For like an extended weekend. Oh yeah, dude, that's definitely a bucket list item. I watch ice fishing sometimes. Like, <laughs> just watch people ice fish. I got plenty of poles, so there's <laughs> a lot of fun. That's my yeah. other hard on, but. Oh yeah, but yeah, so you get X amount of members, you pay your annual dues, and like for us, uh, we have what is what we call a pin in pin out system. There. If I had to guess, there's probably 25 to 30 stands strategically placed on the property um, that are what we call public stands or open to any of the club members. 
Okay. So you show up, and if nobody has hung their name tag on that stand, and you plan on hunting that morning, you hang your name tag, and you go to the stand. Nice. What that does for us is, A, somebody knows where you were last at. If, God forbid, something were to happen, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, B, uh, nobody's going to come down there tromping around, hang, you know, throwing their uh, climber up and hunting near you or bothering, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So you're not going to have people coming, you know, other club members blowing deer by you. You don't have to really worry about that. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's pretty smart. Yeah, so it's just, a, you know, that's how ours works. Um, I have friends who are in other clubs, uh, and the very... <laughs> People always ask prices. They really vary. Uh, this my club that I'm in is the cheapest club I've ever seen on like prices for what the amount of good hunting that I get out of the place. Uh, there, uh, there's some clubs, man. It goes in the upper. I mean, there's some clubs. It's like two thousand dollars a person. Holy moly! <laughs> and then plus you got tags on top of that. At their camps, they have the guys who leave their campers all year. You can bring families down and guests and stuff after Thanksgiving. A lot of those clubs do stuff like that. Uh, my club, we, we, we don't bring guests. You're not allowed to bring guests. and uh, We do have camp, but it doesn't have electric, but you're more than welcome to you know bring a tent or a small camper if you want down there to the camp area. Okay. So... You know, it, it just varies. You're going to, that goes with the saying, you know, you get what you pay for, which I'm not complaining. I think it's a great price point for what we pay. Right. And the amount of land that we have to use and the amount of hunting we get out of it. Because honestly, a lot of our members, uh, there's that half of the club that's been in the club since the dang thing started, you know? Yeah. Uh, some older guys, and they have their areas that they just like to hunt and they stay to themselves, and they're really nice. I mean, uh, when I shot my. My bigger bug this year, uh, my eight, I call it a nine. It had like a little hanger on it. If you can hang a ring on it. Legitimately was an eight. Um, he helped me get him out. I, I actually didn't have my four wheeler. Uh, so, and he had his with him. So he come down there and helped me out, you know, stuff like that. We always try to help each other down there. Nice. Um, and it's always a good atmosphere. The club, the club atmosphere, generally no issues. I had to run in. We'll, we'll get into that a little bit or whatever. Mm-hmm. I had a little issue uh, down there with a cell camera, which was kind of wild. But, well, was that this uh, year, if I remember? I do right now. Was that this year, if I remember right? Yes. Yeah, yes, yeah, okay. Was, I can't yeah. wait. <laughs> it's crazy, you know. But uh, it, all in all, uh, clubs are, you know, there's a lot of guys that don't get to hunt them, but that's just kind of what it's like. You have a group of guys that we all pitch in, and we, we hunt that property, and uh you know, we try to work together. We pay our lease every year. Uh, we have a set time. The president lets us know set times to pay and all that. And you can go in and hunt the public stands or, like, we're allowed uh, one private stand and, uh, like, a blind or something. You just have to put it on the board so we know where you're at. Uh, so what what would dictate getting kicked off that, off of uh, that? Getting kicked out of the club? Yeah. What would, what would you have to do? I mean, you just, you would just, like, if you were, down, like, we don't allow drinking and stuff like that down there. Okay. Uh, you know, because it's just, we're more of a family-oriented club. Um, it's not that they're against drinking or anything, but, like, it's just, you know, safety, things like that. Right. You know, some guy out there with a rifle. <laughs> no joke. Yeah. yeah. You know, some people would argue the fact, but 
it's just safer that way. So, so if you were to do something like that, if you were out there riding your four wheeler all over God's green earth, uh, stuff like that, or you know, just stupid stuff that have been placed uh, for public stands, and you just went and grabbed one and moved it and say nothing to nobody, and they found out um, taking cameras, you know, anything you probably should be <laughs> doing in general. Uh, it's probably going to get you booted. It's probably going to get you booted. Um, personally, in our club, we, like I said, we have a standard. We like to keep it up to uh, on the bucks. They prefer uh, uh, 401 side. Okay. At least, at least and, and generally like a 15-inch spread. Unless the deer is like a mature deer. Because like... Right. I think he's a four-pointer, but we have this ridiculously large four-pointer that roams the club. (laughs) Bro, we we ran into the biggest six-pointer I ever seen in my life last year. (laughs) So I know what I know what you mean. (laughs) Stuff like that. You know, we get something like that. It's under. You know, we'll we'll discuss it. Like I've I've sent the club member uh, a couple of deer here and there that. Or on the fence. You know, maybe uh, give him another year or two and let's see what he does. But if he doesn't jump out of that, let's just hunt him and, you know, somebody gets him, somebody gets him. Right, right. So, yeah, we have standards and stuff. So some clubs are very strict with that. There are clubs that if you do not kill a buck of the, the club legal size, they'll find you. Uh, oh, wow. Finds a place. Our club's not like that, but there are other clubs like that. Okay. And it's just part of, you know, every club has its own list of rules. And so you know ahead of time what you're getting yourself into before you do. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, as far as getting kicked off, some clubs would do that. If you went over there and just shot the first four-pointer you saw, they'd probably boot you. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and I, you know, and I understand that because there's clubs. Those clubs are the ones where you're going to pay 1200 1500 2000 a year maybe a thousand a year, you know, and you're, you're paying a lot of money into this. Right. And every member is, and you're putting a lot of time and work into this club and piece of land and everybody wants to harvest and shoot nice deer. Right. Right. Uh, that's kind of all of our goal at the end of the day, I think. And, you know, I believe firmly in hunting and if, if it gets you jacked up, shoot it. But if you're in a club that where the rules are already set, then you got to play by that. You got to play by the rules. And, I did one year. I shot a buck in my club that was not up to par on our rules. I, you know, I'll tell you right off the rip. That deer was like a two and a half year old deer. He's like a seven pointer. Right. And, and he got me so jacked up, and I, I shot him, and uh, you know, I let the club president know about it and everything, and and we just kind of discussed it. He was like, you know, it's it was my biggest buck to date. Right. And he was like, he's like, you know, I, I'm glad you got a good harvest and your biggest buck and everything. We're just gonna kind of keep it keep it towards the rules you know let's keep it to that try to our best to keep it to that minimum well that you know i i, I get you 100 percent, and i get their side of things um right. yeah it's it's tough and uh i guess the closest thing i kind of had to that experience was i hunted uh michigan this year at a buddy's cabin and we were just out there and just pure woodsmanship you know and it was uh the hardest i ever hunted in my life uh just non-stop but yeah i i think you know the sounds of that sounds pretty cool i mean you you know the camaraderie opposed to like here where everybody's so you know hush hush and um yeah. i what what's cool about 
uh, the neighbors next to me, we all share like this big chunk of woods. I mean, well, obviously the property lines are broke, but, uh, you know, we kind of, you know, Hey, did you see that car back there on the South end? You know, you know who that is. Um, so we're kind of in, in, in touch with each other, but I think a hunt club sounds like a fun thing. Yeah, it's, it's pretty good. I mean, like, like you're saying, you and your neighbors share info, you know, stuff like that. We do the same thing in the club. Um, I have a few members that uh, I share pictures with. We all share pictures together. Like, hey, have you seen this buck? Because I'm getting him over here. Nice. Or, and we, you know, we try to get on the same page of, hey, let's not shoot this buck. And then it just creates better hunting down the road, you know. Yeah. So, it, and it helps because you can, you know, you at the end of the day, if you and a couple other club members have agreed, you know, let's not shoot this buck. Then if he comes out, you know, he's in safe hands. You know what I mean? Right. Right. And at the end of the day, you know, that just promotes bigger deer for us. Uh, at the end of the, you know, every year. Right. Uh. So I gotta, I got. It's been a minute since uh, you killed that big buck and your public land buck. Yeah. Let's go into the stories on both of those. Uh, you want to start with the public or the big one? Don't matter to me. Either way, I was I was super jacked for you. Uh, uh, and I killed. So I killed the bigger one first. Okay. Um, I guess what we'll, we'll just kind of kick it off. Uh, how everything kind of started out. Uh, you know, a lot of a lot of guys when they kill a bigger buck or a buck that they're after or uh, their biggest to date, a lot of guys are like, "Man, I've got three years of history with this deer," you know? Right. Or four years, or I watched this deer grow since he was a spike, whatever. Uh, to be honest, I've never seen this deer in my life. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that's just like me. I swear to God, that's just like me. <laughs> I saw this deer, I was completely starstruck. I was like, oh, Jesus. I was like, you know. Um, so I'll, I'll back it up to how it was an evening hunt. Uh, we'll start there. Uh, I was at work, and uh, I was getting off between three and four most days. Okay. And I, was, I had all my gear in the truck. I had my rifle. Um, and I was like, man, now that, that's the other thing. So... We have, you know, everybody's got their seasons, the uh, way every state breaks up seasons and stuff. Mm-hmm. I love to bow hunt. It's fun. I honestly haven't had an archery kill in quite a few years, but I love it. Okay. Uh, bought a new Hoy this year, RX4 Carbon Ultra. Loves the freaking thing. Oh, hell yeah, dude. I just, uh, I bought a that, that Point Venom. Bow's going in the case. I ain't gonna lie to you, man. <laughs> oh, yeah, dude. I have, I have a 30-minute discussion uh, every morning, even though I try to decide the night before opening day, I'm like, "What rifle?" <laughs> I'm, like, I'm, like, I'm like, the 300 or the 308. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which rifle do I take? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, had all my gear in the truck. Worked pretty hard that day. It was kind of a busy day at work, and I was kicking around the idea with my manager. I was like, "Man, I don't think I'm gonna go tonight. I'm tired." And I, I have cell cameras out. This was my first year using cell cameras. Okay. And I had three out at the time, and I've been getting bucks. Like, they were getting on their feet. They were not chasing it with nothing crazy. Brunt really hadn't kicked off. This was, uh, this was October still. And uh, I honestly don't remember the exact day, uh, but it was a weekday. 
I want to say it was a Tuesday. Anyways, I had been kicking around the idea, and uh, they were like, my manager was like, man, you need to go. You already got your gear in the truck, 30, 45 minutes from the club, just go. What's the worst that happens? You see a deer, you know what I mean? Right. And uh, I was like, yeah, the books have been moving around. So I was checking my wins on all of my stands. On one of my, I have a hunt app that I use. I don't remember the name of it, but... You know, we all have those apps that we like to use for the windage and stuff. Or some guys just look at the wind direction and go off of that. So Right. Uh, I like to use the hunt app because it actually shows me, like, pretty spot on which way the wind's going to be blowing for the evening. And I can go hours ahead and kind of get an idea of if the wind's going to shift or not. I think I think uh, my buddy Mason uses that. And and yeah, doesn't that where like you fast forward and you you watch like the wind, like the smoke change? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Smoke or the, or the wind direction change, which way it's gonna go? Cause I'm I'm a big speed up the smoke or slow it down according to how fast the wind's gonna be. Okay. Yeah, I'm. I use the I just use the Weather Channel app and I look at the barometric pressure and if it's like thirty or above, like I'm. I'm like, damn, we gotta go. <laughs> I do check that too. I checked that. I watched the moon phase really hard this year. Uh, believe it or not, I, did you? A lot of guys hunt the moon phase, and anybody that deer hunts, the moon goes hand in hand. It just does. Okay. Uh, that's just those bucks, and I'm, you know, in my personal beliefs, and just the research I've done, and uh, based off of how that moon's going, you know, the new moon and things like that are. It's going to increase or decrease your chances of seeing a buck, in my opinion. Okay. So, I do watch, I watch the moon a lot this year. And when it was a new moon, I was trying to hunt as much as I could. Okay. Uh, and I felt like I saw a lot more deer that way. So. Nice. And the new, the new moon is when it's not illuminated outside, right? Right, yeah. So, it's getting ready to go into the new phase or whatever. So, there's not really a moon. Uh, it's starting over, and then you know, as you progress, it'll it, it'll change. You know, you got the you know half quarter moon, half moon, stuff like that. The waning crescents, all the names. And stuff. Well, it's funny you bring up that new moon because the way the way I look at that new moon, like I don't know if this is correct or not, but I feel like when there is a full moon, I feel like the deer are uh, less susceptible to be in the field just because of how illuminated it is. So I I just feel like you have a better chance on that new moon of them coming off those fields in the morning or yes. go or going out there because they have some kind of cover. I didn't know your take on that. Um, that makes a lot of sense, and, and in my, this is my personal experience, and just something my dad told me when I was younger, and I, it stuck with me. And anybody I've ever hunted with has pretty much kind of said the same thing. Nice. The full, the full moon is illuminated you know if it's cloudy it's a little different but if you have a full moon pretty clear uh, clear skies the night before those deer will be on their feet all night long makes sense i'm telling you and i watched and this you know nobody i don't think you should hunt religiously based off of your cameras there is you're gonna see 10 percent of what's going on, on that <laughs> yep Yep. That ten percent, I do still use it because that's what we use in cameras for intel. Right. Much. What's going on? When that full moon's going on, I see those deer at one o'clock, midnight, nine o'clock, uh, stuff like that. Like 
you'll you can if you watch in that moon transition, you'll start seeing. I'll be like, man, I've been seeing deer at five p.m. in the evening, and as that moon starts getting through that full moon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense. Some deer on their feet at night, and I think it's because of a vision. That part of it, in my personal belief, is a vision thing. You, you've ever walked into the woods when it's a full moon, man? I ain't even cutting a flashlight off. Oh yeah, and especially if there's snow. I mean, Jesus, you might as well have night vision. I mean, exactly. And if a human can see like that, man, that deer is like daytime to them. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, it's good to get your take on on things, you know. I mean, uh, we are states apart, and uh, yeah. that, that's pretty neat. So, yeah. so you you uh, your boss talked you in, or someone at work talked you into uh, going out that night. Yeah, my manager. He was like, "Man, you need to go." Tell you, man. I don't know why, but just go. And he's he's kind of. I know he's deer hunted in the past, so he's not a big deer hunter or anything like that. But he was just like, "I'm telling you, just go." So I did. Hopped in the truck. I don't know. It was like three thirty. I was like, "All right, if I make it there by four, that gives me next like an hour and a half of daylight." Right. It's plenty of time to see a deer. And I'm hunting with a rifle. And I don't know if anybody else does it, but when I'm hunting with a rifle, I hunt from the time I get out of the truck to the time I get to the stand. Yes, sir. I'm the same way. I tell you how many deer I have run into or jumped on the way to a stand. We all do it. Dude, I've shot one from the driveway walking out. my truck to leave one evening and it had just got dark and there was a doe standing next to my truck do <laughs> uh, people want to talk and uh, you know i do the whole state control thing and all that i play the wind and get that but deer are curious creatures man right they are very curious animals i've had deer walk all around my four-wheeler I mean, it's just, they're, they're like, what is that, you know? Some stuff scares them, some stuff don't. You're not going to see probably a six-and-a-half-year-old buck walk up to my truck, no. <laughs> but, you know, deer are curious animals. So, anyways, I get, get going down there and uh, stop, you know, you always, I don't know if it's just me, but during deer season, you got to have that little gas station stop right before you get there. Oh, yeah. Grab you a snack, water, whatever you need. Stop at the gas station, get down there. And I pin in on, uh, we have this uh, stand. Um, we have like six food plots on our property uh, in various areas. Uh, and we just use them to kind of help keep the deer there, help feed the deer, give them something to eat during the winter. Um, what, three, one, two, three of our food plots are in the, we have like the side of the property that is really just pines. Okay. And so, you know, there's not a lot of food in those ponds a lot of times, especially come winter. Uh, they've eaten up most of You're not going to have acorns over there and stuff, you know. You ain't got a bunch of acorns and stuff like that. So, um, we have a lot. Of, we have those food plots kind of help keep those deer in that area, you know. And uh, it's, you know, everybody loves on the food plot. I do anyways. So, I was like, all right, I'm going to go sit in this. It's like the only box stand that we have. We call it. The pine box stand because it's in the pines. Nice. And, uh, it's not like nothing you're thinking like it ain't no 15 foot elevated box stand. Now this thing sits like four foot off the ground, but it gives you this elevated overlook of the food plot. Nice. Yeah, it's tucked back up into the woods, and um, so I was like, man, the wind's perfect for the box. But the thing about the box is, in my club, that box gets, in my opinion, that box gets the most pressure. 
out of all the public fans there because well, it's very easily accessible. You can take, uh, you know, two people in there if you wanted to. And so it gets a lot of pressure. Uh, it gets a lot, a lot of four-wheelers go down that four-wheeler path, a lot of noise, you know, a lot of footprints, a lot of scent. So I always play that box stand just kind of randomly. Okay. But uh, I was like, I had, a, I had a cell camera down there, and I had been getting a lot of bucks in that area. And I was like, you know what? I'm a hunt box stand. Maybe someone slip up. That's... Yeah, that's how I kind of hunt, man. I, I do watch the deer. I try to keep up with what they're doing, and you know. But you go off a of gut, gut feeling. Yeah, I really do. I, I play a lot of luck. I mean, I, I do the scent control, and I watch the wind, and I do that stuff. But I think it's fifty percent like knowledge, intel, and learning these deer, and fifty percent is right place, right time. Yeah, I, uh, I always. I've always said to my buddies, I'm like, dude, it just feels like a numbers game, you know? Yeah, yeah. And there's guys out there that will tell you, oh, man, I I have literally got this five-and-a-half-year-old buck's footprints down to where he's going to be standing at this time and this day. And that's cool. Like, And I, I would like to be able to do that with time, but I'm still learning every time I go in the woods. You and me both. I've been hunting since I could walk with my dad. Uh, he taught me how to hunt. Um, and once I reached the age of 15 and 16, I was hunting by myself. Yeah, and then you start picking up things, you know. Yeah, and um, so it's always, I, I always learn something. Uh, but I, I haven't gotten to that point where I can just straight up pattern out a buck and hunt him and kill him. Uh, it's just not how I've done stuff. <laughs> yeah, you and me both. So anyways, I go down there, I'm like, just feeling pretty good about this. And I get down there, and I'm sitting there, and you know, you just, it's going through your head, you're just watching the wind. I I keep a wind checker in my backpack, uh, wind indicator, you know, a little uh, fine powder. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I keep it in my pocket. Once I get in a stand or whatever, I'm sitting for the evening, I keep it in my little cargo pocket on my pants. I'll pull it out every now and again, just check my wind, if I, you know, see, make sure the wind's going in my favor here. Make sure we're not getting a switch or something. Right. Um, I threw on some, uh, I, I, everybody, you know, they sent down at the truck, stuff like that. I used just generic, uh, hell, sent away, autumn, uh, I think it's the autumn, fall, whatever, uh, smells like acorns to me, but. Okay. Uh, and I got a I got a buddy that turned me on to some stuff. Um, so I, I've been using his. Uh, it's like a deer herd scent. It's a synthetic. He, he makes uh, synthetic uh, deer lures or urine or whatever you'd like to call it, cover scents and stuff like that. Okay. Stuff, based off of this year, it works for me. Uh, nice. So, yeah, I've been using his stuff. Um, and uh, I get all that, I get down there, I get set up. And you're just running through your head, it's, you know, every little thing. You're just scanning the field over and over. And you're like, man, they could come out from here, they could come out from there, whatever. And so fast forward, you know, I've been sitting there and it's starting to get that last half hour. I call it prime time. Because that that every deer I've shot in the evening, <laughs> most deer that I've shot in the morning is within the first hour of daylight and within that last hour of sunlight. Yep. Every time. And that's just that's just because that's when deer move. 
you know, you're going to have your rut where they're wide open in the middle of the day chasing those, stuff like that. And you, you'll have your midday deer when things transition to that point. But a lot of my deer have been, you know, that last hour, our first hour. Yeah. So I'm getting to the prime time, and I'm like, man, I'm going I'm to pull this grunt call. I have the little, uh, it's like a Primos, heck, I don't know. Uh, little grunter or something. It's tiny. That's a little bitty grunt call, and that's all it does. Okay. I throw it in my mouth, and I hit that thing, you know, two or three subtle times. So that's a real wild, sporadic, just some light, like tending grunts almost. Or not really tending, but just light grunts, I guess. And I saw him sitting there. And the reason I did that is because the bucks I'd been getting on camera had started sparring and playing with each other, which they do that throughout the year because they're, you know, they like to play around. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that. But I had some bucks that were getting a little intense with each other a couple nights before. Okay. Uh, like they were locked up for a minute, and I was like, okay, so they're getting a little, you know, they're a little antsy. You know what I mean? The weather's starting to get right. The moon's starting to get right. Uh, it's getting towards that time because it was mid-October, and our rut runs. Our rut actually runs really late. Okay. Like here it's weird. It's almost like they stay in this like ruddish activity starting in that end of October to the end of December. They, they, which does, you know, there's the whole thing of that those deer technically breed, you know, there's the peak week of rut that everyone has, but you'll have that, there's those that aren't bred yet, that they're getting bred, there's those that go into heat early, stuff like that, so you're always going to have that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I had the grunts and I was just sitting there and <laughs> I just thought to myself, I was looking around, I was like, man, it'd be so cool if a buck just walked out right here. <laughs> and I was looking at the right side of the field, and I looked to the left, and there he was. I mean, dead ass, I didn't see that deer walk into that field. I didn't hear him. I looked over, and there was a buck standing in the field, and I was like, oh, my God. They're like ghosts. Dude, I started, I was like, okay, all right, this is the moment. <laughs> <laughs> I started freaking out a little bit, but I was like, common, you know, you, everybody has their own things where they calm themselves or whatever they have to do to get, uh, uh, yeah, know, calm down enough to, to shoot this animal. <laughs> yeah, I'm always like, uh, look at the shoulder, look at the shoulder, look at the shoulder. <laughs> so my problem was I picked up Rack first thing, obviously, because uh, he had a pretty tall, like his main beams came out and went up. Okay. And I was looking at his, I was like, oh, man, he's got some good G2s. And I'm running through my head, like, is this a shooter buck or not? And I'm running through my head, have I seen this deer or not? So you've got all that calculating while at the same time you're grabbing a rifle from the corner and trying to lay it up in the window. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, I'm running through all this, running through all this. And I'm looking at him, and I'm like, oh, that looks like a good buck. It looks like a good buck. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, don't tell yourself it's a good buck if it's not a good buck. Mm-hmm. My, this was the year that uh, coming off of my private, off of our public, I was going to shoot. I wanted to shoot at least a three and a half year old buck and a, a good buck, you know. Mm-hmm. I didn't care if he was 100 inches or what. You know, if he met our criteria or real damn close, I was going to shoot him. Right. Um, so I'm, I'm running through all that, and it's like, it feels like it, all at the same time, it feels like it takes a year for all that to process and then at the same time it feels like five seconds oh yeah <laughs> so and I am like a child so I'm 27 years old I'll tell you right now I will get jacked up like it's my first deer yeah you and time. me both dude 
<laughs> and I feel like if that ever stopped, I'd quit hunting. That's oh, yeah. I do it. I mean, one of the many reasons, but if that feeling ever faded out, I'd quit. Yep. So I, I get the rifle up there and I'm checking him out, and then I, I scope him and I look at his antlers real good this time, and I was like, oh, that that's going home with me. <laughs> <laughs> so he's coming in from my left, and uh, what was crazy was he, he had to. Had walked down the trail I walked in. Okay. So there's, so there's a four-wheeler path that leads literally to the food plot. And when you're walking down the four-wheeler path, if you stop 60 yards before the food plot starts, turn to the right immediately and walk 60 more yards into the woods, there's the there's the box. Okay. So I'm sitting there. And I said, man, the way he's standing and where he, he had to have come from the road, which was 60 yards to my left. I don't know how he didn't, like, turn and look at me. But he never did. So I knocked the safety off, and I go, man, and he stops quartered away from me. Oh, man. Oh, boy. And I put it, I tuck it in right behind his shoulder and dump him. Nice. Oh, God. It was, dude, I I mean, that deer didn't go another step. The 308 put it to him and locked him down. Yeah, that's a good round, too. I I love mine. I'm shooting a... Shoot 150 grains out of mine, soft points. Okay. Bro, I ain't never had a deer go more than 40 yards with them things coming out of that 308. I don't care what kind of deer it was or where I shot it. <laughs> uh, it, it locks them down. And if uh, if, I don't, if I don't lock them down, I'm telling you, they go like 40 yards pile. Yeah. Uh, it's just a great round, and uh, it's a great gun. You can't go wrong. Uh, I'm... My buddy got me on the street in a 308, and I've never turned back for a deer anyways. Yeah, we got into a situation, uh, not this season, but prior, where it was special antlerless, and uh, my buddy still had his buck tag, so I was like, bring your crossbow, and if a doe comes, I'll hand you my rifle, and uh, so yeah, a doe came out, and dude, it was, like like you said, I mean, he dropped it right there, and it was like a car hit its shoulder. I mean... Just, <laughs> they were just busted. Well, so I locked him up, and then of course, you know, the first things you start calling every, you know, you start uh, you, you know, you re- I reload my rifle like immediately. Yep. Uh, I know some guys forget to in the heat of the moment or whatever, uh, but that's the first thing I make sure I do: reload that rifle, make sure that deer's down. Yep. Um, because I've seen instances it's never happened to me but i've seen it happen where i've had something similar happen with a doe that i accidentally spine shot a couple seasons ago but uh i've seen instances where a deer will get up from a gunshot and walk off i'm like how do you oh dude I i can think back to a doe i shot in like 2015 and uh shot at 40 yards with a 308 and it ran 100 fell over i mean it was quartering hard too i kind of got it in the guts and uh yeah and that thing i watched it die in the field and it literally got up went another probably 150 to a creek and died right there i mean just resilient so um anyways i started making the phone calls and uh the first person i really wanted to call uh was the my my like, he's like one of my best friends, Kyle, the guy that hunts in the club with me. Mm-hmm. Um, I called him because I was like, dude, I, I finally shot a good buck down here on the club. 
and I got enough signal to uh, video chat him, and I got out of the stand and everything, and I was texting people all at the same time. You know, your phone's blowing up. You're ecstatic. Oh, yeah. I was actually telling the group that I had shot a deer, and everybody in the group was blowing up. It was awesome. Yes. I showed him the deer on video, and he was like, oh, that's actually a good buck, man. Good job. You know, he was congratulating me. Um, my mom was the next phone call. I love my mom to death. <laughs> yep. You know, uh, my parents split up back when I was younger, so I stayed with my mom, and that's just kind of how it went. Of course, I called my dad. Right. Uh, but my mom was the next phone call, so I gave her a call. Um, she gets so jacked up when I shoot a deer. She don't care if it's a doe or a buck or, you know, whatever it is. She right. Uh, she tells everybody in the family. <laughs> um, I'm just, uh, just through the roof. I'm getting jacked up now just talking about it. And it's seasoned over. The deer's been done, you know? Hell yeah, dude. Um, so I get down there and, uh, I check him out. And you just take that moment with the deer, you know? You're by yourself and it's starting to get dark and, it's fading out, light's fading out, and you're just like, dude, I finally shot a good buck. Because this is my first, like, everybody has those deer where they finally break off from shooting, you know, four-pointers, six-pointers, small sevens, two-and-a-half-year-olds or whatever, you know? Right. And you finally shoot, like, a good buck, a solid quality buck to you. or And, you know, it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. Right. You shoot spikes your whole life. That's on you, man. Do what you do. It's your tags. I didn't buy them. That's right. Property, whatever, you know. But uh, I, had, I had set a goal for myself, and I would finally completed it right then and there. And it was just, uh, I was through the roof. Yeah. And uh, I called, the, I texted the guy that was hunting down there with this, uh, with me. He was the only other member on the club. And uh, that goes back to saying, uh we were talking about all the members I have on the club. We have 20 members, but man, there ain't a time when there's more than probably five guys there at one time, which is really weird. Wow. But that's just how it generally goes, which I love because it just means more space for everybody, you know? Right, right. So, uh, texted him, let him know I shot a buck, sent him a picture and everything. He was like, that's why I didn't have my full wheeler. I went straight from work, you know? <laughs> and, uh, Mike, who was his name? Mike always has his four-wheeler with him, so he's like, oh, yeah, once I get out, I'll come down and get it. We'll get him loaded up. So um, I, uh, that is also my first shoulder-mountable deer. Uh, that was the first deer I considered I wanted to actually have a shoulder mount done. All of my bucks prior have been Euro mounts. Okay. So that's the other thing about him, you know, that got me jacked up. and uh, it just. Uh, yeah, that was a hell of a buck, dude. I said that was a hell of a buck. Yeah, man. Uh, I was Jack. And uh, he had good heights on him. He had good time length. He wasn't super tall. He wasn't super wide. But he was like, it was like the perfect deer to get that stepping stone in my, I wouldn't say hunting career because I don't do this for a living. But if you could call it something, I guess that, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Milestone. Yeah, I get I, that's what, so I set the bar there a little bit. You know, I finally set that bar up. So next year, I'm going to be looking for a, a real big three and a half or, you know, like a four and a half year old deer and uh, a mature, maybe, you know, five or six, whatever happens, you know, but I set that stop, you know, and now I feel like when those little two and a half year olds come out, I, I get jacked up, but I'm not as like prone to wanting to shoot them, if that makes sense. Correct. Yep. I know exactly uh, what you're talking about. Like 
when I first started hunting, I got a late start on it. Um, but like when I would go out with my uncle, he would send me videos, you know, 200 yards away of these like six points underneath them. And I'm like, dude, I would smoke those right now. And, and then, you know, like you said, when you finally shoot, uh, you know, something, you know, is a milestone to you. Um, you know, when they, when they come in, you're like, yeah, dude, this is awesome. But you're like, all right, I'm not reaching for the bow or, uh, you know, or, and I did this year, every time I saw antlers, I was grabbing the bow just because you don't know, but then, you know, you just watch the show and, uh, I, I get now what my uncle, it, you know, like where his mind is, you know? Yeah, that's, I get, um, so I have a, uh, I have a messenger, like a Facebook messenger group. Okay. Uh, with a bunch of close friends. Uh, one of Kyle's one of the guys in there. Um, it's, it's just like four or five of us, I think. Anyways, and I, you know, I sent them pictures and stuff. They were all jacked too. And, uh, we always joke back and forth. You know, guys and hunters, we give each other hell. We have to. Oh, yeah. At the end of the day, those guys would congratulate me on anything I've ever killed. Right. More, you know, if I shot like that seven I shot a couple seasons ago on my club, oh man, it it they it didn't get let go for two seasons. <laughs> you know, it didn't matter what I killed after that. They were still gonna be like, yeah, but you still shot that seven pointer. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, it's funny because we call the group we named the group Dinks Anonymous. <laughs> We all generally kind of strive to shoot pretty good sized bucks. So, uh, one of the guys in there, man, he's a freaking stone cold killer. The dude shoots. He's got multiple, hell, one thirties, forties. Dang. I'm sure, that dude's got like a one fifty on his wall or close to it. Nice. Uh, and he hunts a lot of uh, suburban archery only areas here. Okay. Because uh, we have the way the state of Georgia works, we have select counties that are archery only. Uh, it's a lot of a lot of urban or a lot of suburban areas with uh, you know in like in cities and stuff. Okay. But the DNR and the state wants to keep those populations down, so the best way they can do it and safest way is to let people archery hunt it. Right. Um, and so he's always done stuff like that, and he's killed some some deer. I would love to get you know would love to put on a wall. So um, and we always push each other in that group to do better or whatever we want as a goal but you know stick to it like if that's what you want cool but like don't talk about it be about it right and you know that that's what's so nice about busting each other's balls um and and you know i almost well i know if i didn't have you know my best friend uh you know push pushing me to sit back where i did or uh, another buddy of mine telling me, dude, you just need to go back there. Quit thinking about it. You know, I, I don't know if I would have ever shot the buck I did this year. Yeah. Yeah. That was a good buck, man. Thanks. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> that was a heck of a story. I crapped over the side of the stand and pulled my pants up and I was like, uh, is he, am I, I'm only able to grab my Glock or the rifle. I mean, <laughs> Yeah, you, that's that's one you'll never forget for sure. No, but like you said, you know, you're just after you do make that kill. Uh, I mean, I I I stared at that deer all day long, dude. Like, yeah, <laughs> I was like this is wild. The deer in the bed of the truck, 
truck, and I can't tell you how long me and the other guy that was hunting there, Mike, he, we just sat there and talked about it. Yep. And it's we didn't even have history with the deer, uh, but we just he filled up the bed of that truck. He had a good body on him. Nice. Um, I didn't run a. I should have done the jaw just out of curiosity, but I didn't. But I think he was definitely three and a half year old deer. Nice. Uh, it's based off the size of him, his body, his girth. He, he wasn't like swelled up and rut or nothing, so it wasn't like I was overcompensating for what he should have probably been. Mm-hmm. He was just a, just a regular three and a half year old deer, in my opinion. And, nice. Uh, man, it was it was awesome. It was and it was finally like the first buck I could put in the bed of my truck and tilt his neck up and put his rack hanging over the edge a little bit. Oh yeah, you got to do that. And you could see the rack, so I was like, "Yes!" Oh, dude, that we 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 do overkill with that. Like, <laughs> like it's not <coughs> it's not needed, but like we will hang the head up in the corner. Like, <laughs> look what I show. Let's go to the gas station, go get something. <laughs> yeah, there's and there's a lot of guys out there. Uh, see, I, I take my deer a processor because I'm not shooting. I probably shoot three deer a year, maybe four. Okay. Um, if, if, I, if given the chance, like, I'll, I'll set a number, and it just depends on how much meat I have, stuff like that, you know? Because mm-hmm. um, I also, like, sometimes if a family is in need, uh, I will gladly shoot a doe for them and give them the whole doe. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'll pay for processing and stuff like that. I'll have it all done correctly. Um, I tag the deer, you know, it's all my stuff, but I don't mind giving them the meat at the end of the day because, you know, I, I like to help out if I can or... I've got friends I give, you know, some meat here and there, too, stuff like that. Yep. But uh, there's no better feeling than running down to the processor just banging some trap music. Oh, yeah, dude. <laughs> you know, buck antlers hanging out the bed, man. Oh, dude. It was uh, this year on opening day when we got back here. It was probably 30 degrees outside. I had the garage doors open with the speakers just blaring, <laughs> dude. <laughs> Oh yeah, and you know when you're rolling in the 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 butchers and stuff, they're like, oh damn. Well, it was cool because I had to stop off at a Dollar General. Um, little side story here, but I, I'm in like a online or a Facebook group. It's for like Georgia deer hunters or whatever. We do yeah. this uh, buck contest every year and. I won't go into huge detail because it's the way it's broken up and all that crap, but basically, um, each guy can shoot two bucks. One is an upgrade. You shoot, like, your initial deer, and if you shoot a bigger one, you're allowed to upgrade. Okay. And we don't score it off of, like, a standard Pope and Young Boone and Crockett scoring sheet. They've come up with a way we score it, which is fair across the board. Okay. And we get our points acquired off of that or whatever. So I, I had to stop off at the Family Dollar to get um, a piece of poster board and a marker so I could write my team number on it and get someone at the processor to take a picture of me with the deer with the team number. Hell yeah. So I pulled up in the Dollar General and everybody's like looking over. And of course, dude, you get out of the truck, you walk over and you grab his rack and you look at him again. So. Oh, yeah. A, guy, a couple guys walking out. Of course, everybody gathers around the truck for a second. Oh, man, nice buck, you know, all that. So. Yeah, it never gets old. Stuff like that never gets old. I could sit here and talk about it all day, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I got him loaded up down to the processor. Week was going extremely solid. Um, so I guess we'll kind of fast forward a little bit. Uh, 
to the public land buck. Um, I killed that deer in the same week. Oh, no way. Yeah, so it, it's the week already wasn't hyped up, you know. Right. Uh, we've got a piece of public land down here. Uh, Georgia has millions of acres of public land. Okay. So for anybody that's listening that, it, you know, even if you're in the South or if you're not, whatever. Uh, I always encourage people to get out and hunt if that's what you want to do. I'm not going to be one of those guys that's like, man, don't come down here on our public land hunting it up. And the reason may be is that I don't solely rely on that public land to hunt. Uh, some guys do. And I get that. Like, if that's your only means of hunting, I could kind of see where you wouldn't want a bunch of people down there hunting. Right. But at the end of the day, that's just part of it, man. You know, you got to roll with the punches, whatever. Yep. So we've got millions of acres of public land, but I have one in particular, uh, WMA, that we call them WMAs, wildlife management areas. Some people call them, uh, uh, I don't remember that. I know there's other names for them, mm -hmm. uh, but we call them WMAs down here. So this one in particular, I, I want to say the whole thing is like 26,000 acres. Holy moly. And it's broken. There's like, man, there, there. So, for example, the piece that I hunt is a 60 acre lot that is owned by the WMA, but it's down in this area, and uh, it's, it's. A lot of people don't realize it's the WMA. Now it's marked. They have the boundary markers and everything, but a lot of guys just don't realize it or really didn't think to take the time to hunt it. You know. Mm -hmm. So, uh, prior to, the, so every year they do. I'm trying to like get everything in line in my head so I tell the story right. Um, basically, the WMA opens. Every WMA is different on their seasons. You can go to the regs book, look up the WMA you're wanting to hunt, and it will let you know like when archery season is going to be and when it's going to stop. And it will let you know when, if there's a rifle hunt or something, when it will be and when it will stop. Okay. Some, w, some WMAs are what we call sign-in. So, for example, there's a WMA down by my dad's house, which is about an hour and a half south of me here in Georgia. And it is sign-in hunt. And once you sign in once for the season, you're good. And you go off of the regs that the WMA uh, has listed. Okay. For example, that WMA down there runs off of the state regs. So uh, this is going to blow a lot of people's minds. We have 12 deer tags. Jeez. Uh, yeah, that is insane for most people. Uh, <laughs> the way it works, we get two bucks, ten does. One buck can be of any size, and the other buck has to be four on one side, with those four points being one inch or longer on each point. Okay. So, uh, so they that WMA, you could go down that WMA and kill 12 deer off of that WMA if you wanted to. Jeez. And that's how that works. And then they'll, they'll set up. They run in the state, or they run the same seasons as the state does. So when, like, archery season, uh, archery season opened this year on, like, September, uh, hell, I think 10th, 8th, something like that, right there in that first or second week of September, their archery season opened at the same time, okay? <laughs> Whereas, like, the spot that I'm hunting, they have a rifle season that is what we call check-in hunt. Uh, we've also started calling them bonus bucks. Okay. Well, what it does is DNR puts on this hunt where you check in at the DNR station. You have to check in for this hunt, and it is only like this hunt's four days long. Okay. It's the only time they allow you to hunt with a rifle on this WMA, and it's like four days long. And the first two days is buck only. last two days is either sex. 
Okay. But what they do is, uh, so they go off of like state regs. So say you kill two bucks, just like our state regs, one size can be any and then the other four on one side, same thing. If I wanted to shoot a spike, the next buck I shoot has to be four on one side, one inch longer on the points. Dang. So what, but what they do, the reason we call it bonus bucks, DNR tags those bucks and those that you harvest. Okay. You have a limit. I think it's 40 or total limit for that whole four days. So you can shoot two bucks and two does, I think, is what the thing is. Uh, but DNR tags them. It doesn't go against your tags. So you go down there and you want to shoot a spike or a six-pointer or you want to shoot a big buck, whatever. So you shoot that buck, you take a DNR, they put a blue DNR tag on that deer, they take measurements, and they get the... They check the jaw and see the age and stuff. They write down information. Um, and they keep a board up of how many hunters have come in and checked in versus how many deer have been harvested, stuff like that. Okay. So just kind of giving everybody an idea of, like, what the deal is down there hunting on this piece. Right. I hunted the last day, which I do remember what day this was because the last day is on a Sunday. It was either sex. And uh, I was on call that weekend, but my cousin... We worked together anyways. Uh, I was running backup calls, but he was like first out, and he was like, man, go hunt. I don't care. Nice. I was like, yeah. So I was like, I'm going to get to catch the uh, either. I'm going to get to catch the. I like to go to this hunt every year. Uh, it's free tags, essentially. It's a chance to hunt. It's not far from the house. And uh, it's cool to get on public land sometimes. I've always been in and out of public land, even with private land. Okay. Uh, just because I think it's neat, you have to put in more. I wouldn't say more. Well, you do. You do have to put in more effort. You you got to try a little more. You know. Yeah. Like I went to that box stand, killed that buck. Uh, I wouldn't say it was easy, but it wasn't as hard as like. Now, where are the deer? You know what I mean. <laughs> uh, you you got to find them down there, and public land like that gets hammered throughout both seasons. So then you're like, now where are the deer and stuff like that. Yeah, they've seen it all. So I go down there. Um, the piece that I'm hunting is a little 60-acre piece. And this was my first year putting a camera on a piece of public land. I went back during archery season and took one of my uh, really close buddies, Austin. He he, uh, he hunts from time to time, and he, he loves to get out and hunt. The guy's a great guy. and uh, I carried him down there because I was like, man, I got private to hunt. I'll carry you during both season down there, and we'll hunt together. And I'll see if I can put you on a deer. Nice. Um, and plus, I, I always love hunting with my friends. I mean, who doesn't? You know what I mean? Yep. So we go down there in both season. We'll, we only hunted one day. It was like a Saturday. We saw one doe. But what I didn't know about this piece was they had come in there and clear cut a crap load of it. Oh, wow. So it was, or thinned it. They left up some like standing hardwoods and stuff, but they thinned it real heavy. And they left the skirts, like the edges of the property, uncut. There was like a cut line. Okay. So I, we went and uh, once we got down that morning, we scouted. I found heavy, heavy, heavy deer trails, rubs, deer crap, you know, things you look for, uh, access corridors, things like that. Where are they coming? Where are they going? Sure enough, found where the private meets the public, and they were coming from private to public and vice versa. So I stay on the public and uh get 
I don't know, probably 80 yards from that private public line. And I set a camera up in, like, on public. I didn't want to get stolen because everybody knows this. There's guys on public. They just got snaps a camera. Yeah. So I put it up above my head and tilted down, facing where I wanted it to. And I set up a box scrape. Uh, something I think uh, I've, I've started using a little more in the, in the last season. I've never been big into it, but I've learned from a handful of people and just watching stuff and, and watching deer. Uh, deer use scrapes year-round, dude. It ain't got to be rut. No. I, I've had does in scrapes. I've had bucks in scrapes. Uh, fawns, I mean, you, they're going to use a scrape. Uh, you, I mean, you see community scrapes every year. Yep. That deer are going to keep open most of the year. So... It was early in the year. It was both season, but I was like, I'm going to set up a mock scrape. And I did put the camera over it. And, dude, I left that trail camera there for like three months until that, or, yeah, about two or three months until that gun, that gun hunt came. And I was like, I'm going to snatch this trail camera, and then I'm going to hunt that area. Okay. Uh, I pulled the trail camera, and I actually had some impressive bucks on it. I was impressed. I was surprised, too. Uh, I was like, oh, this is pretty neat. That's some good intel. Uh, there was a really wide eight-pointer. I mean, a big old guy. Um, and then there was a couple scrub bucks, and uh, you've seen a couple spikes here and there. I think I only had like 80 pictures, but I, what I was impressed by is I had two deer hunters on it, and they never knew the camera was there. And I was like, okay, I did pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> you had to think outside the box. <laughs> so I get in there, and I'm like, man, I'm off. I'm sitting on the ground. I didn't even bring a stand. I love to sit on the ground when I'm rifle hunting. I have hunted probably 90% of my rifle hunts up until the last two seasons on the ground. No joke. And I swear, dude, what? I don't know what it is about being on the ground. And people will be like, I can't believe you hunt on the ground. I'm like, man, if you do it right, you can do it. And you can slip in on a deer. And sometimes I feel like you can slip in on one easier on the ground and just get down and hunt on the ground and they don't know you're there. Well, you know what? They're probably so accustomed to looking up, especially on public. Uh, that That's a good point. I never really thought about that. Seen a doe walk into it. I've literally sat on the ground watching a public stand on my hunting on my club piece, and I had two does come in and they looked dead ass at that ladder stand. No joke. And I wasn't in it. And if I'd have been in it, who knows? They might have not even seen me, but I had a better chance sitting on the ground and watching them. They never knew I was there. Well, maybe that's something I need to try one time just to see. <laughs> it's a it's a switch up tactic, but it works, man. It, I, well, up until I was probably 16 or 17, dude, I had never been in a climbing stand. And I had only been in a ladder stand like twice. I didn't start hunting out of deer stands until I was, hell, 18. Wow. And I'm 27, so I haven't been hunting out of deer stands a whole ton, you know, a whole super long time. And there, like I said, there's still plenty of times during rental season I'll go sit on the ground somewhere. Dang. I'll get, I'll get an area perched up over a, a section where I know I have a lot of deer coming through, and I'll sit there. And I can't tell you how many countless times I've had deer damn near walk up to me. Are you kidding me? Yeah. It's, it, and people, say, people call me crazy. They're like, man, you'll never get a big buck to walk up to you. Yeah, yeah, I will. I've had it happen. Dang. The problem was he walked up within 40 yards of me with a, uh, I had my rifle laid across my lap, and I couldn't do nothing. Oh, that sucks. When I went 
to shoot him, he bolted. He saw me move, and it was over. And that is like the downside to sitting on the ground. They get close like that, and you're screwed. So you got to almost unless be ready. Gets, unless the deer gets like behind a tree or gets away from you or whatever, uh, if they get close like that, sometimes it's it's over. You know? Dang. So, but then there's times where like they'll know something's off and they'll bump away from you and stop, and then they'll continue feeding. I've had that happen. I mean, so it just it's it's weird, you know, uh, how that works. Now, I know the thermals. You know, a lot of guys talk about thermals and stuff like that. And, and, your scent moving in and out of areas and stuff like that and I you know I just where, where I've always hunted on the ground I just make sure the wind's in my face and I make sure the deer are not coming from behind me if I'm hunting in that area I'm going to sit in a spot where I know the deer are going to come from in front of me my left to my right whatever but that they're not going to come straight from behind me dang you're gonna, if you do that you're going to set yourself up for failure so, yeah I can imagine but uh, I get over here to this spot, and I find a good little spot on the ground, and I sit down, and I ain't, I'm 100, maybe 80 yards from the property line, but I'm hunting that, what I'm going to call is what they made a funnel, uh, in the uncut area of the woods. Okay. And those deer were funneling, and what they would do is, uh, I didn't know if they were coming out in the morning or evening from private to public, like I couldn't tell you honestly uh what time that was gonna be happening but i knew that they were coming from private on the public or vice versa in the morning or in the evenings and when they hit that public they funneled down coming at me wow so i knew where i was sitting they would if they were coming from public they were going to funnel from my right and i could catch them and they'd walk right in front of me okay but i was hoping that they would be coming from private to public in the evening okay and i'm just sitting on the ground i got there i don't know i got in there kind of early 3 4 o'clock which is some guys are like oh that's early you know for me yeah, it kind of is uh i mean i've been in the stand at 12 o'clock and sat till dark you know i've done that stuff too mm-hmm. uh, but when I, it's public land man you never know what's gonna happen right so I go in there, I didn't bump any deer out, I got the camera, I'm sitting there looking at through the cards and, and checking the camera pictures and stuff. And uh, I've got my like bag propped up next to me and I'm leaning up against this big old pine and I've got my, there's a stump in front of me, kind of, it breaks me up too. I use that stump in my advantage because it was like, uh, it went up to about a little just below my chest, but if a deer was like standing in front of me, it would probably be really hard to see me. Okay. That's what I was thinking. So, because I... I, but I had like a clear field of vision. I could shoot, you know, there was a couple of shooting lanes where, man, I could shoot like 100 yards. So I was like, if I see him coming from the hillside, coming down the hill to funnel to me, I'll, I'll know, you know. Mm-hmm. So I'm just sitting there and, uh, shoot, man, that deer, hell, he didn't even, uh, it was getting later in the evening, but it was still like an hour before dark. I had a good bit of daylight. And uh, my rifle's leaned on that stump, and I'm just sitting there, and I was, like, messaging somebody or something. I was texting a group. And uh, I just look up, and I see, like, a deer's face, but he's standing straight facing me. <laughs> and I was like, oh, God. And dude, when I tell you this deer was 80 yards away, 70 yards, he was straight up, like, close. <laughs> he, he didn't know I was there, though. I just caught a glimpse of him moving, and I was like, oh, yeah. 
So he gets behind a tree and I grab my rifle and I prop it up on my knee and I start watching him. And this deer is walking straight to me, dude. Oh, boy. And I catch a little rack on him. I'm like, oh, man, he's got some antlers. I was like, sweet, bonus buck, you know? Right. And this, this is where that I got jacked up. It was nowhere near as big as my big buck. But it was but the I experience. And I was like, yeah, he's going home with me, dude. <laughs> so I let him just do his thing, you know, because you don't want to get too, you never want to, like, get over-anticipated and, and get antsy because you'll bump him or scare him. You'll do something, you know, and you don't want to mess up on it. Right. So he said, I'm just letting him walk to me. And he's walking to me. And I'm like, oh, God, dude, is this deer ever going to turn to the damn side? <laughs> and he goes around, he goes to the left, and he comes around this briar patch, and he starts to work quarter to me. But he's working like he's going to start easing on to the private, like going that way. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, cool. He's going to come, like, broadside straight in front of me. And he got 50 yards from me. And uh, he was steadily walking. And I was like, dude, if I let this deer keep walking, he's going to step on me. Right. So, but he started quarter, he turned and looked like he was going to start walking away. And when he turned, he was about 40, 45 yards. And I said, man, he stopped. And the boom, I dumped him right in the <laughs> I didn't even, uh, you know, everybody like sets up, settles the crosshairs right behind the shoulder, which I normally do. Yeah. But this time I was like straight shoulder, put it on the crosshairs, dead center of his shoulder, boom, squeeze the trigger. And he, he went straight like nosedive. Nice. And ran that right side shoulder to the ground. It was broke, broke right in half. And I, I tell people all the time, I'm like, man, you want a deer not to go far, shoot it in the shoulder. Yeah, they start so snow like, plowing. Oh, you're going to ruin the meat, all this and that. And you are, you're going to bruise some meat, but you ain't going to lose that deer, I guarantee. 99% of the time you break that shoulder in half he ain't going nowhere no he's he's snow plowing so he noses down and he runs and he, he starts running like back where he came from a little bit mm-hmm. and uh I lose sight of him because it's thick in there it's pretty thick and uh but I hear him pile up like immediately so I am straight jacked and there's still daylight like I ain't even got to get a flashlight out or nothing yet and I hear him pile up and I'm like oh yeah I am so jacked <laughs> so, uh, I like, I, uh, the first person I called, um, was my friend. She, I called her, I'd like video chatted her, and I was shaking to death. And I was like, girl, I just shot this deer. Dang. Yeah, so he's a little six footer, and I just straight drilled him. And, uh, I was jacked. She was like, you can't even hold the phone still. I said, I know. I said, I am shaking to death. <laughs> And I just shot my first public land bug. I'm like, that's when it ran through my mind. It's like, dude, you found a spot on public. You did a little bit of, you know, you got a little bit of dirt dug up. You did some, got some knowledge of the area, figured out where the deer were going, and you made it happen. Yeah, hell yeah, dude. And at the end of the day, I don't care if it's a damn button buck, a doe, a spike, six-pointer, if it's a big old 150s class buck, you got in there and did it. And uh, it makes, it's, it's rewarding, man. Yeah, you, you beat that deer. Yeah, so he, uh, I, I get off the phone with her, call a couple of my buddies, call my mom, like always. <laughs> um, she was jacked, I'm, I'm jacked. And I get up to where I shot him and I walk over there and I'm looking for blood because I don't see him laying there and I know he's like piled up in some brush somewhere. But I don't see any blood. And I'm like, no way, I broke his shoulder in half, I've watched it happen. Right. 
So I'm like freaking out. I'm like, damn it, where's the blood? And I get on the phone with um, a Kyle and a, another friend of ours, Josh, and uh, they're, I want to say they were hunting it. No, they didn't hunt that day. Uh, they they hunted the, I know Kyle hunted the public land hunt one day or something like that. And uh, anyways, so I was like, but he lives close to there. And I was like, hey man, I may need you guys to come help me. Because <laughs> I, I can't find blood. So this is weird. I never tried to do a 308 because my blood. Right. And I said, I don't know how the hell. I said, the only thing I can think of is I shot him at 50, 45, 50 yards. And it just blew through him. Oh, like, yeah. Maybe what happened. But I said, I hit him in the shoulder, so I had to mushroom. Oh, yeah. When you start running through your head, you like, you, you go back to exactly where the deer was standing, and you try again, you know? Oh, yeah. And you start, like, you don't want to get too frantic. You just want to stay calm. Because if you start freaking out, you'll, you'll, you'll never find that blood. And you'll never find that deer. Yeah, I right. usually. Uh, I don't care how big the deer is, you can't get yourself like overhyped because you're or like. You'll spin yourself around. Yeah, I uh, I always start uh, I always start praying there to Saint Anthony. I'm like, uh, where's the blood? Where's the blood? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, so you're you're thinking it's you're like God. Just gonna talk to you, you and me right now. <laughs> hit this deer so if you could just give me a little insight like just let something in front of me look like blood or or set my mind off yep so i'm like okay i got a trick to this there's a little creek that he ran through and i was like i'm gonna go to the creek and i can see where he drug his shoulder so there's a pass so i'm like okay i got that hell yeah so like, there's a plus but i still didn't see no like it was like the first 10, 15 yards, he had, like, nosed out and ran, and I hadn't seen blood, and I was like, how did he run that shoulder in the ground and not bleed, you know what I mean, that's, but sometimes they do that, a deer will go, sometimes a deer will go 50 yards, but they start bleeding. Right. Even with a damn two-inch slacker through the double lungs, sometimes an adrenaline goes, and they're, they just, they make it, like, 50 yards, and then blood opens up, you know? Yeah. Or you start, you start getting a blood trail. So it's like, okay, just being optimistic. Don't get down on yourself. You can look for like 10 minutes. Calm down, dude. Yep. So I go to the creek, and I start walking up and down the edge of the creek where he had crossed. And I finally catch some blood. I was like, here we go. And then it's, once you get that first bit, it's like, then you see all of it. And it's like, how do I not see that? Right. And it's just you. I think personally it's a mental thing, and you're like overlooking everything. Yeah. You're trying so hard that you're, you're, you should just take a step back and look because it's right in front of you. Yep. So I find blood. I'm like, oh, there, there we go. And I'm looking and I like take, I don't know, I walk, I cross the creek and I walk like 10 yards and I look up and I'm like, oh, he's like on his back. Uh, but when he rolled, he rolled over on his side, but he's like on his back a little bit, but his belly's facing away. So all I could see. I was like, dude, that looks like a weird-ass rock over there. And I was just like, uh, it's probably a log, whatever. So I'm just looking at the blood, and I take like 10 more steps, and I look back up, and I'm like, that is the furriest-looking rock. And then I was like, oh, that's the damn deer. I was like, <laughs> I was like there he is. And I had almost like walked up to him before I realized he was a deer. <laughs> but the way he had just kind of like folded itself up and it just didn't look like it but i had a i had a i had gone all the way through i had a good exit and he bled good once i figured out where the blood was 
Nice. I go over there and I take some pictures of him and I start sending pictures. And I was like, oh yeah, well, six pointer. I'm like, that's going to be another good euro to add the wall and a, a good public land kill, you know? Oh yeah, and the, it's it's the hunt too. I mean, yeah, the hunt, the the meat for the freezer. I love deer meat. I mean, that's why I kill it. You know, that's why I hunt deer. That's why. At the end of the day, like I'm not eating, a, I'm not hunting to feed my family per se because it's not like some guys do, and that's fine. Like if all you eat is deer meat, that's fine. Yep. Uh, but we, when we get deer meat in the freezer, man, we quit buying beef. Yep. <laughs> so I try to keep it in there as much as I can, but we eat the crap out of some deer. Yeah, I uh, I have a whole setup to butcher them here, and uh, I mean that's what we, you know, just about the time we start running thin, uh, September rolls around, and I hit the urban, and uh, <laughs> there is no mercy on the dough. There is no. So you get down there, and uh, um, at this point, it had got dark. But I'm like, man, I gotta drag this deer. I'm by myself, and he's a little year and a half old spike, or not spike, six pointer. And I don't know what it is. I mean, that dead weight. You don't, you don't realize like, them damn deer are rough to drag out by yourself. Cause I didn't oh, field God. dress him. I was trying to get him to the truck. Right. And normally I field dress a deer, but that was another first for me this year. The only two deer I shot, which was that buck, the bigger buck, and that one. Mm-hmm. I didn't field dress them. Uh, the reason I didn't field dress the big buck is I'd never done a cape for a shoulder mount, and I did not want to mess that cape up. Right. Yeah, those are tricky. Um, so I was like, you know what? I'm going to let the guys that professionally do this do it. I'm, I'm going to I let the processor do it. Yeah. Um, and they did a super good job for me. It's a processor I've used for years now. It's a family-owned place, good people. But uh, I just, it, it felt weird to not, like, gut my own deer because I always have and I've always lived by, like, if you're going to shoot it, you got to gut it. Yeah. So I was like, well, this is a little weird, but I drug him, and I was like, man, I drug him, like, 50 yards. And I was I was dragging him up so I could get close to my backpack and go gather my backpack because I had my rifle, obviously. Um, but I didn't have my backpack or all that other stuff I had left because I just kind of got up once uh, I gave the deer, like, 20 minutes and I was like okay can't sit here any longer um yep and so I started dragging him out and my buddies called me and I see headlights like that was the other thing this is a 60 acre piece bro I can you can see the road behind me <laughs> cars driving by you hear them there when I when you go onto that private side over there on my right side there's a house uh, 150 200 uh no, that's what much probably further than that. Probably about three hundred yards through the woods. But it's on the private side and you're hunting like away from the house. Like you're not looking at it, you know? Mm-hmm. But if you stand there and turn around you can see the house. Oh yeah. So it, it's like, huh. Uh that's pretty neat. But where I'm hunting, well yeah, once you go up the hill where I'm hunting at, you're probably like five hundred yards from the house. But there's like it's just crazy. You just took off from this little sixty-acre piece, and these deer just slip right in and out of it. Dude, yeah, it uh, that reminds me of like the primary stand here at my house. Um, it, it's always funny because I have a stand probably sixty yards off the the back corner of my grandpa's house, and there'll be times you'll be sitting there, and all of a sudden you smell the grill, and then uh, he'll come out and dump leaves in the woods, and then 
you know, yeah. sure, sure as shoot, once prime time comes, here comes the deer. Like they, they, they're accustomed to that. Like they're, they're not afraid. Oh yeah, and uh, that's an, that's another thing down here. You know, you were talking about me hunting in the south uh, on private land. You know, we can bait here. Okay. And this is gonna ruffle some feathers, man, because this is always a topic of good and evil because you've got guys that don't care and you've got guys that oh i can't believe you would hunt over a feeder you know if i could i would that's what i'm saying i what kills me and this from being somebody from now granted they did not make um so back in the day i want to say this was only been like four years since they enacted this the the they had like a line coming across the state of georgia dnr had set up where you have southern and northern zone Okay. The only southern zone could bait legally and hunt over it. Northern zone never could, and I was considered part of the northern zone. Oh, God. So really, baiting only has been in, like, legally hunting over bait has been legal here for, like, four years, I think. Okay. For our northern zones, for this half of Georgia. So, because I live in west Georgia, but, um, so... A lot of guys are like, oh, it makes it easier. Man, I'm going to be first to tell you. It does not make anything easier. Yeah. I tell you how many times I've sat near a feeder and I ain't seen a deer. Well, you know, also at the same time, they got to be like, oh, this is strange. There's a pile of corn, you know. Right. It's, it's just like putting up a stand or putting up a blind. You have to put that there and let it soak for a good six, seven, eight months. Hell, almost a year. Uh I will, there, depending on the style of feeder, like, for example, I built a um, trough feeder, and I put a, a roof over it and everything. That thing is gnarly. It's <laughs> it's pretty heavy. It holds, like, 400 pounds of feed. Holy. Whatever. Um, but I'll fill that thing up. I've got a camera right in front of it. The deer cannot get enough. I've got does. I've got bucks. I've got all kind of stuff. They get head deep in that thing, man. They love it. <laughs> but... It took almost a year for bucks to start really eating out of it. Any any bucks of like big size, mm-hmm. it, uh, like that. So that buck that I missed, and uh, I was talking about earlier, that I missed. I was hunting out of the stand where that feeder is, and I had just started getting him eating out of that feeder, and it had been up eight months, and I never got him eating out. I was getting spikes and like six pointers. Haven't seen a mature buck eating out of it, and then one morning, boom, there he was, daylighting, eating out of that feeder, and I was like, "Huh, that's awesome." And it takes time, man. Deer got to get used to that stuff, and a lot of guys will tell you it'll push the deer to be more nocturnal sometimes, which it will. I mean, they—it's free food. Why the hell they got to get up and go? You know what I mean? Right, right, right. It's like, oh, but that goes with saying, like, so I have two or three tripod feeders that are timed. And I make sure that they go off in the daytime. Oh, so they have to be there. Right. So, but never have I ever, I, I shot, I have shot one deer off of a feeder since baiting has been legal. And it was a doe. Okay. And she came out to eat under the feeder at like eight in the morning. It was like the perfect thing. But realistically, dude, as much as I've hunted around the feeders and I've, I've watched a lot of deer in the mornings and evenings on those feeders, like during daylight. Uh-huh. But they don't hang out as long as you think. It's just like foraging for anything else. They'll just like they ease through a section of woods eating acorns and don't stop. Yeah. They'll hang around for ten minutes and eat out of that feeder and then they, they go on about their way. 
And now they may come back in an hour to hit that feeder again, but they may not. <laughs> so it's kind of like that goes with that luck thing with hunting, you know? Yeah. Because I've got feeders in high deer areas, and what's so funny is I've got uh, so like I've got a feeder set up down there on a public stand. That's it's like a hundred yards away. It's a tripod feeder. Okay. If you go back out to the, I call it the main road, but it's like the the vehicle road or the four wheeler path that goes down off into our club into the woods further. You can go up there on that main road and and ride or drive or walk or whatever. And you go, if you go where that feeder is in the woods, like if you turned and made a ninety degree cut straight through the woods to that feeder, uh, if you were standing up on the road and walked. 500 yards there's a food plot you can't see the food plot through the woods or nothing it's it's as the crow flies it's probably like 500 yards away from that feeder but i will get different deer in that food plot camera than i do on that feeder camera. <laughs> so you can't like and it's 500 yards apart dang so you know with the whole like it makes things easier sometimes it does sometimes it doesn't but i use them because uh I, it's just uh it is a convenience thing and it's a tool uh, yeah it's just another tool it's just like a rifle like you know yeah it's just like your bow it's just like your four-wheeler your climbing stand your range finder your saddles yep all that stuff you use are just tools and at the end of the day when i break it down i'm like man if you're gonna sit in a soybean field and hunt deer i don't see the difference in me out of a feeder or buy a feeder dude i'm telling you i wish they would pass it here we can only do it in the off season and it's got to be out uh 10 days before hunting yeah yeah so ours used to be uh you could bait you could bait deer year round like us for like camera purposes and stuff yeah but if you hunted near where you had a pile of bait you had to be two. 100 yards, I want to say, and out of sight. So it had to be like over a hill or something. You couldn't be 200 yards away on a flat piece of ground and be able to see the bait. Oh, wow. So you had to be, it was like 200 yards and out of sight. But you could be in that area to hunt if you wanted to, if that makes sense. Okay. But you could not, you were not allowed to be able to see that bait. Okay. Uh, but they did, They never had like a limit where we could only like bait during off season or whatever. They just had that cutoff where we couldn't hunt over it. Okay. So, I, I've had many times though when I put out some corn or feed or whatever salt lake, whatever I've got out, and uh, I'll hunt and I won't see crap multiple times. And then there's multiple times where I'll hunt the same area and I'll see a bunch of deer. So it's just like that you, whether it's bait or not, you know, you still have to hunt. Right. You still have to use your tools and your other intel and the wind and the the moon phase and the time of the year and, and the barometric pressure. You still got to use all that because movement at the end of the day, that bait's just to get that deer to hang out in that for a minute, you know? Right. But that, he's got to, that buck's got to want to get up and walk over there. Yep. And if he's doing it at 9 p.m. at night, it don't matter. That's no joke. So... But yeah, I shot that public land buck, got him to a processor, all that good stuff. It was pretty epic. I did that all in the same week. Shot that big buck on Tuesday, shot that public land deer on Sunday. Hell yeah, dude. And uh, honestly, man, like I love to deer hunt. 
and I went a handful of times after, but I, it was the first year, like, I felt so accomplished. Like, I didn't hunt nearly as hard as I had in the last couple of years, which was weird for me. Right. I, any chance I would get the year prior, uh, I would be in the woods, man. If I had an hour and a half of daylight, I was going hunting. <laughs> yep. Once I shot them two bucks, it felt like... All the pressure was off. Yeah, like, there's just no pressure, and it's like... I don't know. I was like, yeah, there's bigger bucks out there. And I did hunt for a couple... There was a couple bigger uh, bucks that I was hunting that started showing up during rut. Mm-hmm. Um, big old... I mean, there was... I got one eight-pointer that dwarf... I mean, it makes mine look like a baby. Oh, dang. And I'm like, dude, he's a, he's a freaking stud. He's got, like, <laughs> for <bases>. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, he's... And he wraps... His antlers wrap all the way around, almost touch on tips. And he's got, like, haul G2s. Damn. And, man, if I had to ballpark him, I don't know what, like, size class he'd be. Probably... Probably 130s, maybe mid-120s, because he's an 8. Okay. Because he's not stupid wide. He goes, like, out past his ears just a bit. Oh, nice. But his G2's got to be every bit of, like, 9, 10 inches. Yep. I'm like, dude, that guy's solid. <laughs> yeah, usually, usually that's what I look at, too, if, if I get the chance to see that. I usually look at their, their ears, you know. Yeah. Well, that's like going back to the club rules when... Uh, we have that rule of like the 15 inch spread. Yeah. If you go off of a deer tip to tip on their ears, if it's like, uh, if their ears are kicked out to the side. Okay. It's approximately, it varies obviously a little bit, but it's approximately like 15 and some inches. So if your rack is outside the ears, you know you're clear to go. Okay. So that's kind of how we run off of it too. That kind of helps, you know, and anybody else is like always wondering if anybody else listening is like, I'm always wondering how wide the deer is, but I don't really know unless you just, you know, you have an obvious mature buck come out that's just a monster or massively wide or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, so uh, that's the way I've always done it. And, you know, aging deer on the hoof, I'm okay at it. Uh, I don't think anybody – there's people that are experts at it, but that's what they do. You know what I mean? Yeah, my my usual, like, especially with does. Like, does I feel like are kind of hard unless, like, you know, obviously there's, like, three of them. But, uh, yeah. but I, if one, if like one singular doe comes out, it's like, man, how, how do you know if she's like a nanny? She's kind of young. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm always, I always refer back to that, uh, the neck size and I try to pick like a tree next to it or like a sap, like just try to, you know, that and the, the nose length. Like if you look long enough, uh, yeah. like, like we pulled off one of the does this year cause we're like, we, you know, we got in the moment. And then we're like, oh, no, that's a yearling. Like, yeah. <laughs> by itself, look huge, <laughs> you know? Yeah, that, you know, I, look, we've all done it. I've done that with a button buck. I thought it was a doe. I did it twice. And that thing was so, big. And if you, dude, if you shot a button buck, if you deer hunted long enough and you don't tell me you ain't never shot a button buck, I'm going to call you a liar. I, uh, I walked up and stalked one. Cause I thought it was a big doe that laid down and I had like the perfect wind and I walked right up to it and I, I just saw the nubs on its head and I was like, Oh boy. So I, I let him go. I let him go. Most times I shot mine. Um, I was like the first time I got, it was like super jacked. I hadn't killed a deer in like a year. So I didn't get all deer the season before. And I was like, man, and it was December dude. I had hunted like hard as crap. 
and I was just not seeing deer. And I was still, it, I was in that phase of like still really learning how to deer hunt mm-hmm. really well. And uh, I was, it was like it had snowed here in Georgia, which is not a thing we normally get, obviously. Right. And me and Kyle were like, let's go hunt the last bit of the snow. It's like a Sunday evening or something. And it's uh, our deer season went out like the second week of January, and it was like the end of December. And I was like, "Yeah, let's go because we ain't got much time left," you know. Right. And I was like, "I'm just telling you now. First thing I see, first look at, I see she's getting whacked, man. I want some deer meat." Yep. And this little button buck comes out like hundred yards from me, and I thought it was a go. And I was like, "Boom!" <laughs> you know, at 270 at the time, I walked back, dropped him on. And I was like, <laughs> Oh yeah, dude. <laughs> I've been there. <laughs> so and then and the following year, I was sitting in a blind, and these deer come out, and there was like two of them, and I was like, I, I had my girlfriend at the time in the blind with me, and I was jacked up, and I was like, I'm gonna shoot a deer with her, and this is awesome, you know what I mean? And I just shot him. And I thought I shot like a, a young doe, and I get she was dead coming. I shot a freaking bun like again. <laughs> and, uh, th- and those guys in my Dink's Anonymous group, oh god, they they still talk about it now. It doesn't matter. Ate up. The old the old button slayer is what they used to call me. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So. But all in all, man, last season was epic for me, and I hope that this season is just as epic. I'm actually planning on going down to the club in the next uh, couple weeks, refilling every feeder, throwing up one more cell camera because I have three out now, and then I have, like, five regular cameras out. Okay. So I'm going to read. I'm gonna take all the cards, put all the fresh cards and everything, but all brand new lithium batteries and all my cams. Uh, my cell cameras I learned this year. I, did, I ran one cell camera with like regular batteries. Mm-hmm. And I was impressed at how long it ran for the amount of... Dude, I was getting pictures like every day. Multiple times. Nice. And it ran for a while. But I did throw them lithiums in and you do notice a difference. Uh, I recommend like any guy that's running cams. If you got the money to run a bunch of cams, you probably got the money to run lithiums. Okay. So cell cameras. Because... Those lithiums can get expensive, but uh, in my opinion, at the end of the day, it's worth it for me. Yeah. I don't have to go bother that camera as much. Yep. Um, now, my regular cameras, they get regular batteries, but dude, they'll run for like six months. Yes, they will. So, I've got them cheapo. Uh, I actually bought a bunch of those cheap, muddy cameras. They're like 25 bucks. What? Yeah, they're like 25, 28 bucks, something like that from Academy. And I run those things, dude. Uh, I bought six of them, and they run great. They're really good for what they are, honestly. And they can't beat I, that. I've never had one fried on me. Um, and then the other two cameras I'm running, the other two basic uh, regular cams I'm running are just Tascos from Walmart. Okay. And, dude, I'll, if you're going to cheap out on a camera, uh, I, I've had that one task I've got running. I've had that thing for like four years. I shit you not. Damn. Um, it's still kicking and going, man. I throw fresh batteries in her and a new card, and she's ready to rock. So. Well, that's good to know because I saw there was a three pack for like a hundred bucks. Yeah, I think I think the muddies and the tascos, in my opinion, I, I I'm not like trying to, you know, I don't get paid by none of these people. Obviously, I'm not do this for a living or nothing, but 
if you're going to go with a cheap camera, or if you want something to put on public land, I always tell guys to go buy the Pascos, because if a dude snatches your $25 camera, you're going to be a little irritated, but pockets aren't going to be broke, you know? Right. If a guy snatches my freaking $150 cell camera, I'm going to want to beat the brakes off of every hunter I see. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> nice. No, yeah. It's just how it is, but you know, it's like it's, and I think it's ridiculous people taking cameras. But yeah, uh, at the end of the day, if you want something cheap that works really well, I've had pretty good experience with both of those. Well, good to know. Good to know. And for my cell cameras, anyone wondering, um, I'm running the uh, Reveal X, the Reveal X's. Okay. I bought them last year as they were kind of going out and they were fading into the new reveal that they just dropped. I don't remember what. It's XI or X, XT or something. Some, you know, sub-model name. But uh, for what they, for what the price on, because cell cameras are still, can be very expensive. Mm-hmm. And you get what you pay for, but man, uh, Tacticam really did something with those cell cameras in my opinion. Okay. They are worth every penny. I've got a cell camera right now that I put fresh batteries in back in November. Now, and it's just on a food plot, so I'm not getting pictures like necessarily every single day, and I'm not getting like hundreds and two hundreds of pictures a day. Okay. But I'm probably getting pictures every other day if they're coming through that food plot right now and turkeys and stuff and. It's still cooking. It's still going. Nice. Uh, I had to put batteries in. I put batteries in that thing in November. <laughs> we are in March, so that, if that gives you any sort of idea. Right. Well, obviously, if you're getting your cameras, like my cameras that are over feed and, and feeders and stuff, they get hammered, obviously. Mm-hmm. So it ain't nothing for me to have thousands of pictures on them cell cameras in just short amount of time. Right. But I go through the app and I can just delete what I want or whatever. Um, now, it doesn't delete it off the card. You you have to actually manually delete it off the card to clear the card. Okay. But it deletes it out of the app so you can, like, open up rooms so you don't have to scroll through 3,000 pictures now. Oh, well, that's good to know. And, for example, I am, uh, where I live is almost an hour from my hunting property. Mm-hmm. And those cell cameras, uh, there's really not any good signal down there. And I'm running. I accidentally bought. Everybody told me to run Verizon, and the first one I bought, I bought it was like AT and T, I think. Okay. Or it was vice versa. One, I bought one that everybody said was not great, but I've had good luck with both of them down there. So. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, good to good to know, because like I said, I've always been on the fence about those cell cams and. You know, I I guess I don't really understand the whole process of it, but... Uh, yeah, I think, uh, I want to say I paid 100 I mean, I'll go ahead and tell everybody, you know, price point, just because, you know, if you're if people are looking into it, I want to say I paid 130 a piece for them. And what I would do is I would just order one here and there when I wanted one from Cabela's, and I ended up, so now I've got three of them. Okay. And it would be to my door in a couple of days, you know, and then I'd just take it out there when I went hunting or when I was scouting and getting, you know, ready for the year, so. So does that, does that, uh, the payment on the cell data, does that just go to your phone bill? 
No, so a lot of people think that I thought that kind of when I first started getting into it. Because like I said, this is my first year running cell cameras. So mm-hmm. uh, as someone new, you know, I can tell you a lot of stuff. But they, uh, it, it goes separately. It's on the, so if you go into the, every cell camera you have with Tacticam, all your reveals, they, you set them up through the app. Okay. So like step by step, it's very simple to set up. Um, and then it's built through the app. You can set up like your debit card or whatever to be oh, built. Oh, okay. And if you want to go in there and cut off your subscription to a camera, you can. Now, what if I did uh, multiple cameras? Does it just go to one bill? Yeah, so the way it works, uh, you have an initial setup fee per camera, which I don't quote me. Uh, I want to say it's like $25 a camera, so you do have to pay out a little bit to get it initially going. Okay. And then you have your monthly fee, which is I run unlimited pictures uh, and videos on my cameras, but I never turn my cameras to video mode. Um, just because I'm always getting so many dang pictures, I'm not really worried about video mode personally. Mm-hmm. Uh, with that being unlimited, I think each camera is 12 a month per camera. Oh, that ain't nothing, especially with gas. I want to say it's 12 or 15 a month per camera. Now, if you have like 20 damn cell cameras, that's going to get pricey. But right. I'm running three of them, and I'm about to add four and five to the loop this year but that's probably I'm, I'm that's for me that's gonna be probably my max out for them okay because like I said I've got six other regular cameras so I just have cell cameras at hot spots where I hunt a good bit and uh, they kind of feed me that intel that like and you know those other cameras can't because I'm not there checking them okay that I can set up that cell camera fill up a tripod feeder and turn that feeder on and set it for morning and evening and stay out of the area. And then I start getting pictures and I'm like, okay, this buck's coming in at this time. And he comes in every two days at 534. Okay. And then I can start, I can kind of start patterning deer. That's what I've used the cell cameras for. Okay. To keep me out of the area, but to give me some sort of help patterning them without having to go pull a card on a camera and walk down to that camera and get all my scent down there yep. and, you know, all that good stuff. I'll, I'll probably check my regular cameras, like, every, you know, when it's hunting season and I'm hunting pretty consistent, like, every two weeks. Okay. And a lot of guys are going to be like, holy shit, like, oh, my God, that guy goes in there and checks them every two weeks. I'm not always hunting that, like, I don't, those areas, like I said, I've got six cameras. Mm-hmm. And I don't go check all six of them either. If I'm hunting in an area, like if I'm hunting a stand and one of my regular cameras is on that side of the property, uh, I may venture off to go check that camera when I head out and just swap the card and leave, knowing that I'm not going to hunt that stand anytime soon anyways. Okay. So it's still, it keeps my pressure low, it keeps my scent low, because I'm still sending down and everything because I'm in all my hunting gear. Right, right. So, in my opinion, I try to do that kind of stuff. I don't, like, go in there, like, religiously. Uh, There's some camps, some of my cameras, I don't hunt that side of the property for three weeks, so I'm not going to check that camera until I get on that side of the property. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, that's some good information. Yeah, yeah. That's some good stuff. I love my cell cameras. Well, I might have to just do that, because, like I said, with the with the old gas prices I got. And like I said, my reduction property is an hour drive away. 
um, you know, check the camera a couple of times, you're paying for a cell cam, so. Right, that's what, that's the way I started looking at it, because, like, for me, I could get more information and didn't have to, like, wonder all the time if that makes sense. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, this is good stuff. Well, hell yeah. Well, Thor, I, uh, I appreciate you for your time. Um, my, my battery's almost gone, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I believe it, dude. Yeah, we've been, uh, we've been at it for a good, almost two hours now, so yeah, so hearing me talk. I, I appreciate you coming on and, uh, we'll have to have you back and like I said, hopefully we can, uh, we can run across each other in person here one of these days. Yeah, man, that would be dope. And I super appreciate you having me on, man. It's been an honor to be on your podcast and, uh, Really appreciate you having me on and just letting me uh, talk about my season with you guys. Hell yeah, we'll 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 definitely have you on again. So uh, I'm sure I'll see you in the Snap group. And uh, thanks everybody to listening tonight. And uh, go check out bluecollarwhitetail.com. Uh, we still got some merch available if you're into that. And you guys know where we stand. And deer don't care about your feelings. <laughs> that's the truth <laughs>